American Sublime episode 10. With? No, no, no. Edward Abbey's Cactus. 11? It's, uh, is it that far along now? Are we that far in? 10 or 11? That's weird. 10 or 11. I don't know. I. So we should have like 50,000 listeners by now. I think so, yeah. <laughs> you gonna look? Thank, thank you to all our 50,000 listeners. Divided by... A lot. A lot. <laughs> For now. For now, but we're going to use our uh, magic powers to bring, oh bring more listeners to the show. You know, I have to say... All right, so we're, we're reading Femlet... <laughs> right? Is that what you would call this? I have no idea. I don't, I don't know I don't what I would know call what this. To call this stuff. Am I coming? Up? Am I just too brash and saying so? No. Say what, say what you need to say. <laughs> no, I was my idea to read to because I said to you we should read women, we should read African American writers, and you're like, all right, well I have you know this book. She's basically an African American. She's Iranian. <laughs> Is she? Ish. I think I so. she was Jewish. Uh, she might be a, an Iranian Jew. That's an interesting... Yeah, there are a lot of those from uh, New Jersey, for sure. A friend of mine is uh, Iranian Jew. Okay, all right. <clears throat> I didn't... Iranian Jew. I didn't really look into the author um, beyond a, good, a quick Google search. Yeah. I didn't want to because this is one of those things that you can start to try and tie to the author. Right. And you don't want to. You don't want to turn your view or discussion of a book into a cement block around the author's ankle. You know, and then you're trying to. I, I hate can't that. find the, the number episode That's that we're okay. on. It's ten or eleven. But I don't like criticism or discussion of a book, and then trying to look at the author. Next I was. To it. I was I planning to not even mention anything really about the author. The author. The authoress. Um, we should say the name and we should say the book, right? My of course. Year of Rest and Relaxation by, let's see, is it Atessa? Mushfeg. Mushfeg. Um, because I, in my philosophy, it's just not really important. Is I, that? I don't care. Which, which, page, which page of Bronze Age Mindset is that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was thinking today as I was finishing the book, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, it'd be yeah. a funny statement to review Bronze Age Mindset right after my year of rest and relaxation. I think they kind of go together, in a way. Of course. They're not the same philosophically. No, but they're definitely related. They're, they're products of the, their reactions to the same world, right? Yes. They're, they are... That's what this is. This is a book of reaction. You said it's a book of reporting, but it is a book of a rea uh, reacting to, you know, it, it's the, the way I looked at it was it's the, it's the, the femme version of sort of, well, we were talking about Fight Club, that's why I sent you that video, yeah. it's, it's, it's the, you know, what society's worked on and removing from men. Right. And their pursuit of the adventure and camaraderie. It's done similar things to women, maybe different descriptive words in what it's removed, but it's removed, I think it's removed things that seem more natural to us as people. Yeah. You know, as men, we're supposed to sort of engage in adventure. Yes. And as women, 
I don't want to speak for women. I don't know. But uh, I wouldn't say, like, well, this is what they're supposed to do. But there's seems like she's getting at something as being removed from them in mo- mo- modernity. Yeah. <laughs> mo- mo- modernity. <laughs> <coughs> what do you think? Was that your... These are people who have been surgically sort of co-opted by... Well, she... Okay, so yeah, go, Mushfag go writes it. the book, right? What is the book about? What is the basic? What's it about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's ask that question. No, what is the the basic idea of this book? This chick um, who remains nameless throughout the entire thing, <clears throat> uh, and apparently she's this tall, model-esque, blonde bombshell. Jane Fonda type. She's reminding you of all the time. Right, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And you find out about midway through the book that she had a really, actually not really that bad of a breakup, but because of the story of her life and the way she's able to handle things, she can't handle this breakup. Or she doesn't want to. Is this with Trevor? Yeah. He's the only character love interest of hers that you see really right right and um she can't handle it and so she goes into hibernation she goes into this cocoon is that what you see this is her reacting to oh definitely she's reacting to the breakup yeah she has a whole i don't want to like get into just this paragraph but it's only mentioned there in the beginning right no 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 it's right in the middle uh I had it highlighted. Gosh, I don't even know where it is. But she... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I won't read it now. I'll read it a little later on in, in the, oh, but she's, in so the she's, show. But she's, she's trying this experiment on herself, this yeah. year of rest. And <coughs> it's funny to call it relaxation, which is hilarious. But right. she's trying this on herself as a response to... I think it's more than that. I think it reduces I, the response... I think she's... It's a lot of things, right? It, like, she's also alluding throughout the book to her education, to Child, the fact childhood. that she, she's a pretty prolific reader. Um, Relationship to her mother's big. Yeah. Uh, that, was, uh, that was really... Keeps coming back. That yeah. one keeps coming back to me. You know, her mother was a really detached... Yes. Unsympathetic bitch yeah (laughs) she was not yeah you know there's that's yeah you're reading this character maybe the least favorable character in the book i mean yes and then her dad um seemed like a swell enough guy yeah that happens you know i've seen that play out in real life yeah yeah i've seen that play out close to me in real life Mm. with uh same you know my my um you know just my brother yeah has seen this happened you know just a very um it's not even a dominant woman it's it's an abusive woman yeah sort of hanging over the whole family dynamic yes a power struggle for sure power structure yes and the man is completely subverted yeah just no rights within the family no can't speak out can't have an opinion can't go out yeah which you know yeah, many such cases. Many such cases, but I don't know, you know, but but it, 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 there's a difference between, you know, just let me know when you're coming home and no, you're not leaving. Right, right, know? right. And if you do, I'll go, like, I'll beat you up. And, yeah. and this woman doesn't do that to the to her father in this, but 
she's so cold and detached. I was just was getting so mad. Yeah. During the death scene. Yeah. Of the father, and this is the moment that you really the only moment I can really remember where our main character has an actual emotional response. And oh, I think yeah. she was recounting this while she was in the black walled bedroom of Ray's before the funeral. Yep. <clears throat> It's the only time she was really thinking about... Ravens. Rivas. Uh, I think it's Reza. No. With a Z. V. Is it with a V? Reva? <clears throat> uh, yeah. So she's in the basement. She's she's trying to sleep. She can't because the drug she's on has disrupted her brain. But right. she's having this... This is the only time in the book where I felt like this was a real dynamic character. Because she's actually now having an emotional... Or recalling an emotional experience with her father dying in his cold hands. And, and then just bouncing it up against her mother being popping in when she's drinking, saying, is it done yet? Right. Yeah, well, you, you get dropped into this story where this chick, for some reason, is medicating herself out of her mind. She's blacking out for days at a time, and you have no idea why. You don't really... I mean, you gradually find out what her reasons are for taking this uh, inward quest into her apartment in the Upper East Side, but um, I mean, there are, are a number of reasons. I kind of don't even want to go into them all because uh, it exhausts me, I think, you know, to point to modernity and like the degradation of all these institutions. Like she doesn't have the, the rites of passage to go through mm. like you know like the what? last well the last rite of passage she went through was um before i guess her parents dying was completing her education at columbia which it, that's like one of the few modern rites of passage that we have is right have left is to go to college and you know walk down the aisle to go get your diploma after you've you know put yourself in massive amounts of debt and gotten some so it's stolen from you really, worthless piece of paper with all the debt right. you go into the, the rite of passage is sort of subverted right there yeah it's very it's very much cheapened because it's gonna hang over you right yeah. so if you go to school and you finish that four-year degree right here's your diploma yeah but now you have the this bill. yeah exactly <laughs> here's the bill but <clears throat> the the deaths actually i think are interesting in this book because a death is also a rite of passage for the person dying and for the people who experience the death. And she yeah. experiences... There are a number of deaths in this in the story. Sort of. In this, Well, there are her mom, her dad, Reva's mom. Those are it. Because... So there are three deaths in a single book. I think about the end. And this, is, this was... I'm just... This book, whatever. But the end, I'm, it was so cheap. To, because if you're going to give it, if you're going to make death and loss tr triggers, for lack of a better word, for the experience that she's going to go through with medicating, and then at the end she's <coughs> just like, oh. Um, it is pretty tryhard. She just goes, it's like, oh, I she's dead now, and I watched it from the TV I bought. And I uh, imagined her uh, being the pretty girl falling out of the building. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? That's not good storytelling. That 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 bit, you know, that piece. Well, I okay. So, to anybody who's a real, I'm, I'm I'm jumping I to the to, to the middle of the story, but that we 
This is what we do on this broadcast. We're just talking we just about spoil it. everything it's, for it, you, and we don't care. It, it was funny because are you laughing, bro? Yeah, because Riva has the. Uh, okay, so Riva is the yeah the wannabe best friend of yeah. the nameless sleepy girl. Uh, I thought you could have called this book "Cuckoo in the Cocoon" or something like that. You know. <laughs> Um, clever, very clever. Yeah, yeah, right. Ooh, that's very clever. Yeah, this is my, my alliteration <laughs> exercises. Um, <coughs> okay, so Riva, who's the try-hard best friend, is always going over to Nameless Girl's house or apartment unannounced, which I liked. I thought that was fun. I thought it was cool that there were... It's like a very 90s aesthetic like 90s cultural mores in in terms of interaction like you just got maybe motorola cell phones so people aren't on their phones all the time but they do get, they do get brought up though and they're like the phones get brought up but people aren't like on their no, phone but there was a moment and i was like is that what are they doing on their phones because she talks about the egyptians in the bodega she goes in there and they were on their phones and i'm like doing what what what's going on in two thousand? Yeah, you know what? That's probably a lapse in her it must uh, judgment. Been. Did you catch that? I didn't. Yeah, but that's definitely a lapse because I was, I was in two thousand, people wouldn't have been on, on their, their phones, phones unless they were ca- on the phone. Exactly. Um, yeah. Two thousand was still wasn't that still the era of the antenna? Like. Yeah. No, that yeah. was you know the razor phone. Mo- the razor phone. The ra- the Motorola razor was like. Was it out in two thousand? Definitely. So you could text, right? Was texting yeah, a yeah. thing yet? Yeah, you could text. So maybe they were texting on their phones. Maybe, but but just that, even that phrase, on that, their phones. that just didn't exist at the time, I don't think. On their phones, you could be on the phone, but whatever. Um, I liked seeing those things of like going over to people's houses unannounced, or at least Riva going over to the nameless girl's house unannounced. Mm. Um... Talk, she didn't like talk, it. Though. Yeah, she didn't like it. But <laughs> talking about sending faxes and like uh, just little details here and there that were things that only really are watching VHS movies on VHS, even and just getting a DVD player. Yeah, like, yeah. So the, so the <clears throat> sentimentality element of just remembering childhood yeah. was, is obviously like, yeah. oh, I can smell the you know when the v, when the VHS when player breaks. broke. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I know that feeling. You mm-hmm. know, but even just the. Um, the era of the the sort of shameful affair which Rava has with her boss. Right, that's what it I was becomes talk so about. shameful to that she has to move her to well the building that she dies in, right? But it is, she has to move her <laughs> office to the trade tower. She gets promoted. Yeah, that's what I that's what I wanted to get to, which was that I thought it was That's cheesy to me. I, I thought it was so funny. What the the, the affair I, or the, I, where she gets transferred? Uh, well, to? okay, so like I'm now, like, oh, I know what's happening in the middle of the book. I'm like, it's 2000, <laughs> and we got eight months to go, <laughs> and uh, I know where you're going. I knew from like page 110. Well, I just thought it was hilarious that that Mushfeh, you like, you kind of got taken out of the book in that moment because Riva is just such an annoying freaking character for the first, for the whole book, and. Uh, 
you just you don't like her and then to kind of to see that moment where after her mother's funeral her affair boyfriend breaks up with her and promotes her to work at the world trade centers and you're like wow you're gonna die yeah yeah it's like, exactly. it was like you're like <laughs> you're thinking like oh my gosh the author is is, is fucking is, with you right they're just yeah, they're, they're making like a joke on your behalf. making a joke but it was almost like mushfeg hated reba so much she's like i'm gonna kill you in the fucking world trade and centers what's uh <laughs> So, yeah, I didn't feel any which way about it. Obviously, I don't feel, you know, if you're talking about September 11th, I don't feel. <laughs> yeah, like, obviously, you know, but. Very tragic day. Yeah, yeah, but I don't, I didn't feel any which way about it. I don't think that Riva is, was as um, antagonistic to me as our main character. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I feel like Raven wasn't nearly as narcissistic. Well, she's just sincerely a normie, like, just doesn't know any better. She wants Try to, I She think. wants to know better. But, but she's but eating bad food. She's drinking diet soda. She's, she's reading eating. Cosmopolitan. She, yeah. Like, she's just... She just has a bad diet in every category. In every category. And yeah. diet really is what you consume in TV and literature, right. which is another big thing that gets mentioned throughout this book is right. what kind of movies and television are being consumed. Yeah. There was actually a, a funny thing you talk, you're just talking about consumption because, right, that's really, if you want to talk about a book like this, what drives people to madness, especially in the urban landscape, it is the consumptive culture, mm-hmm. the culture of consumption. Mm-hmm. It, will, it corrupts us, right? Yep. It's, it's, um, and she's talking about what she's consuming. And there, yes. there was one point where, and I remember these watching shows like this on <coughs> days I was, I would be sick or really tuned out to life, bum, bummed out. Yeah. She she mentions Maury, Jerry Springer, um, all of these old shows that like are really just bad for you. Yeah. You, shouldn't, you know, they're just like bad. It's like eating bad food yeah 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 and i i thought right in that moment that was the, those were the four mentions that made the most sense she's like just sitting in her apartment drugged out watching shit tv yeah you know um wonder vhs breaks wonder vhs breaks yeah and uh as for her movie choices i don't think there was any maybe there was a relevance to it but she I loves like, Whoopi I Goldberg. Like, I know oh that. my god <laughs> i didn't get that at all <laughs> Well, the first movie I think she mentioned was Before Sunrise. <laughs> Why is Richard Whoopi Linklater her hero, though? I don't know. That was a weird choice. Is that just a joke, or is it because Whoopi, Whoopi physically is the opposite of our character? She's black. She's well, she wasn't Bigger. heavy at the time. She was kind of pretty when she was younger, actually. Sure. Uh, yeah. Now, now she's not. Yeah, no. Really? I, yeah, I mean, I really don't have. She's anything. on the view. Yeah, she's on the view. It's she sits ruined at the it table. Fully. I don't. I have no idea. I never. I've never. I just don't even know anything about the view. I just know it's a bunch of chicks. They sit at a table. They commiserate. Uh, and every once in a while, Ted Cruz goes on the show. And, you know? <laughs> Why would he do that? I have no Why idea. Why would he do that? Oh, it's so like walking funny. into a den of. Uh, hyenas or something i will say there was this time that whoopi she didn't know what this word meant but it was still funny to hear say it she said 
We gotta end women's suffrage. Because <laughs> I think she thought it meant suffering. <laughs> you can YouTube search that. Uh, oh man. Huh, whoopee. That's interesting. Yeah, there's even a moment like that actually, and maybe this references that. I don't know how old it is, but where uh, the name, I just don't even know what to call the chick who's sleeping f or trying to sleep for the whole year, drugging herself up on. It, I forget what it's the name of infirmer toll roll yeah, or some yeah, nonsense. Yeah. Well, that was that was the drug that screwed her up, right? Until she just decided that that was what she was going to take and do these three day interval stints at the end. But that was the drug that threw off everything else, right? She's like she seemed like she had days of just being awake, like she was on meth. right. Her for, well, her <laughs> Riva's mom dies, and she and the nameless chick gives Riva. A gift to condole her, which is like not real English. And then Riva and the nameless one get into a short debate about the meanings of the word condole and console. Is that in the car ride? Yeah. Is it like when they're driving in the storm yeah. back to the city? And it turns out that the nameless girl doesn't know. This confused me slightly. It seemed that the nameless girl, who's very educated and well-read, did not know what the word console meant. Or she was purposefully misusing the word for, like, I don't know, the purposes of having a beauty mark in the book or something. I, well, which actually, Otessa Mushfeg, if you find videos of her, has a beauty mark. So maybe that's an homage to herself. You're saying that the main character doesn't know what console, didn't know what console meant. That could just be a take on, on because she doesn't know how to console someone. That she Perhaps. just didn't understand, couldn't understand the definition of the word because she's a terrible friend. Really a miserable friend <clears throat> to uh, uh, Reva. Yeah. Uh, Reva. And, uh, well, the whole scene is like clearly Mushfeg knows what these words mean. It's just the question is. What the heck is going on with the Columbia grad who reads Nietzsche and makes fun of guys who read David Foster Wallace? What is she doing mis purposefully misusing the word console and the word condole? It, it, and also, people don't really ever say condole. This is like to, everyone says condolences. Because she doesn't console. Right. So it's it's to condo, like she's trying to, to condole erase you. it. Yeah, yeah. You know, from from because she's like I said, she's not a good she's really not a good person. And maybe that's because of her mother. And that's fine. That's good person. Be a good person. I hate when people say that. Yeah. I don't you know, good no, is whatever. I'm, I'm not even I'm not even I didn't I didn't even judge. She's not a good friend. Trick. She's not a good friend. Reva is a, be a better friend to her than than the only time she goes over to Reva's apartment is to find her drugs, which I presume Reva took to try and help her, help out. her out, which could have killed her, apparently, because you can have seizures and detoxing or whatever. But I mean, she just took so many drugs, too. That was one of those things I'm like, is this amount of pills and alcohol actually something you could do without killing yourself? Because it seems like that would kill you. That was She was just... Taken. I have no idea. I've never. I been, think that's dangerous. Part of you know the the medicated state. I just have no. They idea. put if you they put warnings on one of those medications. You right. take what she she was taking like seven, 
And then she was drinking gin and wine and yeah, yeah. going in and out. And, and then she's having, you know, the three days of not knowing Blackouts, what happened. Yeah. So whatever happened, did someone, did Trevor come over? Because she, she was wet one day, remember? <laughs> she, yeah, no, she's he doing, did. Oh, someone did, someone had sex with me. <laughs> like, oh, no, God, yeah, that's so yeah. gross. Yeah. It's no, so he did. Gross. Well, she wrote that he did come over. He must At have. least a few times. But she couldn't remember it. After she told so, him, like, if you don't come over in 45 minutes. I'm yeah, gonna, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. And so he did. Yeah, that she remembered, though, even though she was in it. No, 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 it. she blacks out after that. And then she wakes up, and he's, like, getting ready to leave. Well, she blacks out, but she remembers his dick. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, okay, if you're going to have an honest conversation about this book, it's crude, you know, for one. Uh, and you know what? I think, <clears throat> so I, I was looking at some other reviews and I think that a lot of people who like this book aren't readers. <clears throat> and they think they're readers because they think that they're all caught up on, like, books that have been written in the past 40 years or something. But they're not serious readers. This book, I don't want to make pronouncements about it, you know, in the beginning of the show, but... Nobody's going to remember this book. No. No, it's not. It's not. Unfortunately. It, like, this it, isn't a Madame Bovary book. No. Even though it's, like, it's not in even, ways, maybe it's not homaging even, it a, a bit. The two books you could compare it to, uh, Plath. This isn't even a, a Plath canonical mm -hmm. level, which I think isn't a very good book either. But Bukowski's Women, I was telling you about, which is the male version of this in my yeah. mind but written a little bit more interestingly. Yeah. There's at least a tinge of of romance to the characters in, in yeah. Bukowski's writing. It's not romance like you love these people. It's just that they are teeming with life. These characters are almost like cardboard <coughs> cutouts. Yeah. Um, of you, you you're describing what they do, but you're not or you're not telling me there's a writer named Octavio Paz, Mexican writer. I've heard this name. And he wrote this book of essays called The Labyrinth of Solitude. And one of his essays in that book talks about the Spanish, he calls it the Spanish tendency to, to write about the bodily functions. Mm. And his analysis is that people, a lot of people will use writing about crudeness as a lazy attempt towards sophistication. So I think that it, going off of that uh, kind of analysis, like a lot of people can read this and be like, oh, well, I've never seen anyone write like about... Uh, getting their colon pumped. <laughs> yeah, getting their colon pumped. And the flakes wa going wanting to take. Oh. Wanting to take a shit in a Chelsea gallery and doing oh, it. Oh, yeah, like, Natasha's gallery. <laughs> or, or, like, or like watching porn with your friend and writing. Like, just, it's not sophisticated. I hate to tell you, like, okay, maybe it is real life. But it's actually, those kinds of things are so pervasive in the world nowadays. Like, Tom Wolfe talks about this in that essay we we read when we were um, discussing uh, Electric Kool-Aid a couple episodes back, like 
this stuff is not interesting. It's not novel. It's not, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's it, okay. It's for one, it's telling, it's not showing. We know that this world, we is know degraded, it's crude and degraded, and of degraded, course, and it's uh, degenerate. We know we live in a degenerate society, right? We don't right. need to be told. You can. You're not show. telling me anything new you, when you just when you describe this. That's shit. right. Sorry. Or you can, sh but you can show right. the crudeness. But it has to be done. It has to be done beautifully somehow, and it's just it can't just be told. Hey, I took a shit. Yeah. And uh, and then I stuffed the the toilet paper. Which is pretty Bukowski esque. That was so if gross. If I, I can like, even say man. that. Wow. She doesn't want us to feel any sexual attraction to this character whatsoever. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, she's really pretty. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. She's got dried toothpaste on her <laughs> lips, you know. And uh, a raging... <laughs> not even going to say it. <laughs> so funny, dude. It was just, you know, and there's just, it, you know, there's the... Yeah, I mean... Everyone, you know, everybody around is just a cardboard cutout. Trevor, a cardboard cutout. He's, if I, here's the thing. If I can, if I can read about Trevor, the boyfriend, and be yeah. told these traits about him, and think of a hundred movies and books or whatever, or things in pop culture where that character I can envision somewhere else. He's not, right. there's no unique element to him. He's just a doofus. You know, he's got some money. He's got cologne. <coughs> he, uh, he's selfish in bed. Okay. Yeah. You've shown me. He's kind of like... Um, nothing interesting. Like an American psycho bro. You know, from... But he's not even a psycho. He's not no, even he's not a psycho, but he's one of those, like, dudes sitting around the table who's, you know, fawning over the <clears throat> intricacies of a different shade of white on your right. business card. Like, <laughs> right. Just dumb <laughs> shit. But that's even interesting, though. That moment in American Psycho. No, it is. Like it that's is. an interesting. That is showing you the character and the way he just flicks it. Yeah. You're being you're you're being shown something about the inner workings of that mind. We were not shown anything about about Trevor than the, other than they like to get head. Yeah. And that's not being shown. We're just being told he likes. He he's a, he's things. another like basic bitch, bro. A, yeah, everybody's basic, but they're basic on a cardboard level in yeah. this book. And you can't make every character in a book secondary. No, okay, so we are poo pooing this book quite a bit, but I do want to say this, like. Well, I didn't enjoy it really. I, no, I didn't enjoy it either. Uh, I, it, I, know, I would have rather spent my time reading something else. I'm, I'm a However, man, I'm a man who lives in rural America, right? <coughs> I get it. If you're a woman, a young woman who lives in New York City or Los Angeles, maybe you see this. Like this is something you, oh, for you're sure. actively seeing, and it's interesting to you. Hey, I just. Yeah, no. There's there, something to be said for that, right? There are a lot of people tweeting this book, basically, like not actually tweeting quotes, but they're living. Tweet, it. They're tweeting out the life of this. The energy. Book. The energy. The blue yeah. check. The blue check. Uh, I don't know if it's really blue checks. It's like you know, and on chicks. No, but there's all there's all those people. The blue checks. They're all drinking diet soda. They're they're uh, they're all living out there. Single and Gatorade, Gatorade and vodka, 
so they can stay hydrated. <laughs> you know, yeah, just lit, and like we've got it figured out. They make six figures, and you know they're living, they're going out every night, right? And well, she so doesn't. But the right. thing is, though, that the book obviously is not prescriptive. Like and the fact that it's so that the characters are so ridiculous, it could go either way. Like, uh, there's a book, I forget what it's called, but it's by a, a, a New York pastor <clears throat> named uh, Tim Keller. And it's a, I'm pretty sure the book, for the most part, is centered on the story of Jonah. And Jonah, if you are familiar with the story um, in the Bible, is a for the whole book, which is quite short, he's a complete loser idiot. Like the whole time you're like, what the hell are you doing, man? Obviously the thing to do would be that, but you did this. And like over and over and over and over again, he's making all these mistakes. And, uh, even up to the end of the book, he's making bad moves and being a hypocrite and, rebelling against God and Keller makes the observation that the only reason that we have this story if it's actually a true story is because the guy who lived it told it to somebody else he had to tell people that he had been such an idiot and tell them the whole story so the only reason you have a story in which this character who's an idiot the only reason you have the story that before you is because someone experienced immense humility so that they could tell you how stupid they were in the past. And so I think there is a way to look at a book like this and uh, see it as descriptive. Obviously, like, I don't know what reasonable person would think that this was a prescriptive book. Um, it's, it's showing you, like, the vacuousness of trying to medicate yourself out of experiencing the world like it it makes fun of i think um the idea that you can sleep away your problems that sleep is the way to go into the womb and then become transformed like that isn't the transformative journey that people need she, she also has you know dr tuttle who's the psychiatrist maybe uh, the villain even of this book yeah perhaps if you really think about it besides the mother but. and the and dr toddle is telling the nameless girl don't go out into the sun the sun is going to you know destroy your cells you know don't think thinking's bad for you thinking's only going to make you more depressed yeah. don't uh don't change your lifestyle and the fact that any of those things from the psychiatrist are in the book means if i'm being a charitable reader that mushfeg well don't be careful we're trying you're trying to go into what no no I, thinking I, is i on am this topic? I, no, no, I, I am it's bad christian <coughs> well <laughs> my my uh my thought is that no, go ahead. Finish your thought. That the, well, the I, author I, is, I don't think she's that, making a critique of the of, of like that e institution. Even though I don't 
like this book. Like I wouldn't read it again. I probably wouldn't give it to anybody. Like I still think that it is in certain ways a complete thought. Um, and you know, Mushfeg is a capable thinker um, because she's putting these details in the book. She she is making criticisms that are yeah. valuable. She she is doing reportage, um, but I think that she's like I don't know, very much steeped in like this postmodern mind like she, right. she's she's critiquing from within yes, from within that mind but also like maybe even embracing it a little unknowingly bit. i don't know so you know when you write about you're talking about dr tuttle <coughs> who another cardboard character to me but you know just he says yes to every prescription and just, and more really just goes you know okay these are your problems never remembers that her parents had died Right to the point of comedy because she says, "Oh, I killed her by crushing up Xanax," and <laughs> and she goes, "Oh, that'll do it." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and um, you have this this character that has no humanity, really. I mean, if any character has no humanity at all in this right, book, right, it, right. It, besides the mother figure, it's the doctor. It is Doctor Tuttle. She's she's not. She's just not getting correct answers from uh but she's not vetting any of the answers she's over prescribing these drugs well she's just giving she's just giving her tons and tons of which samples could kill her, which could kill her right you know and she's not vetting any of this stuff she's not even uh taking stock of what of, <coughs> of anything that she's being told clearly right, right, that's right, what right. that whole that's what that whole detail about her telling six or seven times now Hey, my mom's dead. Yeah. My dad's dead. I'm not yeah. home for the holidays. Yeah, and she's always writing it down, but never remembering. Felix, he's limping. I don't know what that's all about. That's Is my that dog. Leg sleep? I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's anyway, on it wrong. Anyway, um, we've been going on longer walks. You know, oh, yeah. So maybe we got to scale it back a little bit. <clears throat> but, um... Yeah, so just that Tuttle, I, I, there is a critique of Tuttle built in, but I don't know if it goes as far as to be a critique of that institution, which is where I would, I would go that far, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, Tuttle was, is, isn't seen as like a, I, 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 I think you're right. I think it's, I think it's. Critiquing from within the postmodern mind, rather than rejecting it entirely. Perhaps. And that's that's what a lot of this is. It's like you know, because she comes out. If it were a full-on critique, I don't think it would end the way it does with her coming out of it. Like, oh, that wasn't. I can see clearly now. And right. Wasn't so bad actually, and uh, you know, I, I bought a new TV. Yeah. You know, well, I, the idea <clears throat> that you can like. Okay, so Timothy Leary um, had this idea that it might be possible to time travel if you were able to take the right cocktail of drugs and just put yourself to sleep. And then, based on certain other drugs that you might be able to administer to yourself, like you could slow down the aging process 
while sleeping. And then <clears throat> if you wanted to skip certain amounts of time, uh, you could do that like large chunks of time. And he called this time travel by sleeping through time. So for, for your experience, it's just a moment. One moment you're, you're awake, you go to sleep. Next moment, 20 years later, something like that. Um, I, for, I forget where he wrote this, but it's in some articles that he has around. Uh, the Nameless Girl seems to be trying to do something like that. And she does do 120 days of sleep, mostly sleeping, except for like an hour every three days, something like that around the end of the book. Where she's doing laundry and yeah. chores. Eating yeah, yeah, eating for an hour. Pepperoni pizza. Yeah, and then like getting in the bed again. The problem, I think, is that we all know that's not how transformation works. Like maybe your body, like if you are wounded and you go to sleep, we all know that you know, it's pretty common knowledge that your body heals itself when you, while you're sleeping. It rejuvenates. Also, your mind, via dreaming and other processes, like cleans itself out, uh, like reboots your memory in certain right. ways. Like, we know all that. But transformation is more complicated. It's like more entwined with the world than just you going to sleep because trans a lot of transformation has to do with your relation to the world mm -hmm. so things in the world your attachments to it your agreements with other characters and institutions in the world need to change in order for you as a character in the larger drama and the overlapping dramas that you're a part of in order for you as a character to be transformed and so she never does that because she's just sleeping so for her to come out, like she does do a small bit of it in actually getting rid of her wardrobe, getting rid of her books, all of her, almost all of her furniture when she goes into that final cocoon stage. Like she is changing her world, her immediate representation of herself via her clothing and, you know, the accoutrements of her apartment. But... Only to pass it on largely to Reva. To Reva, yeah, and then, uh, you know, like a Goodwill-type organization. But even then, that's still it's a very atomized transformation in uh, relation to herself. It's not right. in relation to the larger world. She's just cut herself off from the larger world. And so I think that we all kind of get the sense that like this isn't a real transformation no. so like you woke up three months later and you expect us to think or whatever it was it's impossible so that is kind of, that's kind of a weak point because if it was it goes back to if it was to me she doesn't her her reflections and feelings about watching 9-11 happen oh man we're still wildly disconnected they weren't there weren't the the emotions. Well, to make it into a reaction. joke, I know we joked about it a little bit in the beginning, but like, but it wasn't the emotional reaction, right, of somebody who had undergone the real transformation of any type. It was somebody exactly. It was somebody who was still playing with some sort of fantasy. Well, yeah, the underlying mood 
attitude of the whole book coming from the writer is that everything is a joke. Like nothing, nothing should be taken seriously. Nothing is worthy of being taken seriously. Not Reva's mom's death. Not, uh, you know, her relationship with this Trevor kid. Like she doesn't need to tell the truth to the psychiatrist who presumably would be the one person among all of them who she would benefit most from telling the truth to except that this person is also kind of a loon so like what good would telling the truth to her be but at the same time the nameless girl could have found another person she's smart enough to understand that but she doesn't think that it's worth it because she's you know um, she's a nihilist through and through. Nothing matters. There's no meaning. Etc. Etc. Right. I don't know. It's uh, there are a lot of other books that you could read um, that are better written that tackle the same questions in a much more beautiful and profound style. Not um, even necessarily that. Just that are just. Like just that are just uh, going back to characters that are just have a more developed sense of a character. You could just hate the whole book, but be, but at least appreciate the fact that the characters were not uh, angular in such a way. And I just just that angularity. I need. I'm a character driven. This is supposed to be a character driven novel. Is it? Well, it's not plot driven. There's no. There's no. True. Way. There isn't any plot. You know, plot driven meaning. Yeah, of course. You know, things are happening, right? And they're reacting to it. Exactly. But she's. If you're going to write a character driven novel, you have gotta yeah. give us something. <laughs> Her heroic journey is that she's like, dying to take a nap every day. <laughs> and it just got repetitive, right? It's like there's <coughs> there's there are, several pages in this book where it's just a, you know you could swap them around. Yeah, I took this and this and this, and yeah, I watched yeah. this and this and this. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and then I, you know, I woke up and did this and uh, drank water and it was gray and, uh, uh, you know. I did think that there were some conspiratorial elements in this book. However, what year was it released? Do we know? Let's let's look on the. Uh inside page um, look at this nice hardcover 2018 2018 Penguin Press so did you see the January 6th date no there's a January 6th date in here that that, uh, that obviously didn't happen January 6th happened in 2020 yeah yeah. What's the January 6th date say? I don't An know. An insurrection? It's, yeah, there's some kind of... Uh, Mega dudes of ch chattelacks? It's chattelax. Uh, <laughs> the chattocracy <coughs> ascends? <laughs> no, it was fun. I don't know. I don't remember where it was, but, you know, she keeps on mentioning various dates throughout the book. Was it January 6th? And she, men she mentions January 6th, like, was it, a couple was it? times. Near the end, I was like, that's... That's interesting, and then it, the book ends on so December eleventh. She's a fan, dude. She's a fan. She's a fan. <laughs> All of it is an illusion. Everything you're seeing now is part of a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is this is no. See, I, I don't want to say about yeah. that. <laughs> Alex, what do you what do you think? 
<laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I saw that. I was like, oh, haha, ha, that's funny. You know, it has January 6th and 9-11 in the same, you know, 50 pages. But, uh... Could just be the timeline, though. No, it is just the timeline, I'm sure. Sure. Wink, wink. Nah. What are the Illuminati, though? Um... <laughs> The Knights Templar. <laughs> you know, it is interesting, though, that the the book ends on 9-11. Um, because the book is ending before a new world happens. A new world, that's right. And 9-11, what, it was a... It was the end of a different, of a of previous world. It was stepping into... Narrative world. That is one thing, actually, about the book that is interesting that I like is that you are at least getting fragments of of that sentimental world that we remembered with the VHS player yes really it just seems like after September 11th all these TV shows all these yeah it was it wasn't a great world it was still the modern world but yeah. it wasn't it really wasn't quite postmodern yet yeah and it was on the verge and then after September 11th it, it really is one of those markers where there's there's a world that existed before it yeah and now there's one that exists after it it's it <coughs> in itself September 11th is the uh, is a it's like a chapter it, it's it's like it's like graduating college what do you what do you call oh, it oh yeah yeah uh, it's a rite of passage it's, a rite of, it's, it's not a rite of yeah it's a rite of passage in, in that it's like there is it's a no, milestone there's no going back yeah yeah right? yeah yeah. It's not like, oh, this had to happen. It's, well, you it's know, so uh, Tom Hanks yeah. was in um, Forrest Gump, right? And they wanted to make Forrest Gump 2. And apparently they had a, the guy who was writing the script submitted the script on September 10th, hmm. 2001. Just finished it. We're working on a while. Uh, working on it a while. Submits it September tenth, two thousand one, and I think it was on the eleventh or the twelfth, where they just said like Tom Hanks and whoever the other guy was who was uh, planning to produce it. They said we can't make this movie because that world doesn't exist anymore. Mm. It's like that meme. Yeah. The world you were born into doesn't exist anymore. It was like a little girl. Yeah, standing in the World Trade Center right. in the distance. Yeah. And I, in my mind, that's a world that was stolen from us, not a world that ascended. Right. We didn't ascend to a better world. We had a a twenty year war. Right. And find endless financial woes that we're back into. Right. Once again, and uh, which are of course cyclical, but it's but these are products of that world right everything really everything that we're enduring still or, or now yeah. especially as a nation yeah is is still attached to my mind to that moment uh i was thinking also about how okay so not moment but the few hours i yeah. should say in that morning a couple episodes back we did manhattan transfer right which is a new york novel mm-hmm um, a lot of the stories of America, like there's this thing in warfare that comes from uh, 
Clausewitz called center of gravity. And if you can find out where the center of gravity is in a battle or in, a, in the grand scheme of a war, like you will know where to direct your attention and your resources. And you can also see how in different periods of American history, world history even, the narrative center of gravity for who is the main character of the world, where are all the, the world-defining stories occurring, you can point to different people and places who have the main character role at that, in that point in time. Mm. And um, in America, different regions, it seems to me, will have the main character role at different times. And, and then some just always kind of have like an, an ambient main character role. Like New York City is definitely a place where a lot of American stories happen. LA is a place where a lot of American stories happen. San Francisco, very few American stories are happening, you know, in like Seattle, Washington, even though I like that city. It's just not a lot of American stories in fiction happen there. And like, yeah, you, I'm sure you could point to a, a handful of novels, but that's not where the stories because happen. Because it doesn't have the legacy, the civilizational legacy built into it, I don't think. The same way New yeah, York or L.A. does. For sure, I completely just, agree. Just cultural architecture. Yeah. Right? And so this book is a, I, don't, I hesitate to call it a New York novel, even though the story takes place in New York, I think that would almost be too grand a title. But it is, it is, you know, within the genre of the New York. It's, we'll call it, it a New York story. It barely gets any. <coughs> barely is anything New York. Yeah, about New, it. New York actually, you know, it's in what ways is New York mentioned? I mean, it's maybe a New York apartment. Penn Station gets mentioned once. It, it's it's. It's a New York apartment, right? It's got the. Yeah. She talks about just sort of how the trash mixes with her neighbors, and I feel like I'm connected. Right, right. And, uh, and she goes down to the bodega run by the Egyptians. Bodega. The bodega is a very. I think I definitely felt like that was the only it, moment that was very New York to me. But it's also like a no man's land place. Like, okay, so she's in the Upper East Side, but. But like you don't just, get the feeling of that. You don't taste invoking the, city. the name of Upper East Side. Like, is not enough. No. But that's the thing, right? So there the setting, the maybe setting doesn't one, matter. True. I mean, there is maybe one paragraph where she kind of does like a little bit of city writing, briefly, and yeah. then and then leaves it. I forget mm. where it is. Maybe when she goes to get her pills back e from the apartment, e oh. and she goes, she actually goes out and has to go. Yeah, know, she yeah, has to yeah. venture into the yeah, city a little it. bit. That's she's, it. she's talking about, you know that neighborhood yeah maybe it happens once or twice in another way so i have not finished uh infinite jest like i started it i don't know maybe i'm like 200 pages in a, i don't know a year ago i started it midway through 2020 mm. and um tough book it's just so boring is it boring i think it's boring because uh it's just like a thousand pages of navel gazing, it seems to me, or at least two hundred so far. Um, which is um, a postmodern writing trope, like extreme uh, 
extremely self-aware writing, uh, constantly like having to examine and evaluate everything that one says as one is saying it, and then examine and evaluate the examinations and evaluations that you just put out. It's just like very vain. It's an exercise. Unnecessary. Um, like an exercise right. in what you're able to do as a writer, but not necessarily something that we care as a reader, care for as a reader. And it's I, like very, I don't even want to use the word that I, that I want to use. I wonder if Gravity's Rainbow it. does that same thing to people. It's like you're just patting yourself on the back. That'll be the nice way of saying it. Isn't it, it James Joyce stuff? Yeah. I don't think that Joyce is that way. Um, I think that, he, you know, like also very self-referential. Uh, but actually that's not what I was getting at. Cadenza in, I forget his first name, um, in Infinite Jest is also this kind of character who's like locking himself inside his bedroom at Emerson or somewhere in Boston for days and day, weeks on end, just smoking weed and watching movies. And like, he looks like the meme, you know, the cartoon meme of the dude whose eyes are just totally like shot, has huge circles and like smoke coming off his head. Like, yeah, yeah. it's just this book, My Year of Rest and Relaxation is like the female version sure. of that portion of right. infinite jest it's also i think like uh ah. it, like uh board um against nature he, by he, heisman's a little bit except like with none of the beauty i don't know i'm not familiar but well, well what i was gonna say is if you go if you're going to have a reaction towards postmodernism or the postmodern society, post 9-11 society, if you're going to write a reaction that is a critique, let's call this a critique, why not write the stories? Why are we not writing the stories of characters who are getting out of the room? Yeah. You know, we need, it's, we, we get it. We, we live this. We see the incels doing this shit all the time. Right, right. Living in their video game world. Yeah. And, Blaming women for everything, yeah, right? She's and, a whammon cell. Sh she's right. Okay, we get it. We see this. We know it. We don't need the stories of that told. We're living it. We need the stories told that are getting out of it. We need to. We need not not even wild fantasy. You know, we don't need a Tolkien adventure story. We I mean, do need well, for, characters. Yeah, who, I mean, for people who don't believe in redemption, they're going to be like, "Well, why well, do we need the stories of people getting out of it?" Operating in the framework, smoking our spirits, you know. Yeah. Operating yeah. in the framework of the reality I existed. Uh, neon lights and architecture. <laughs> it's like, listen. I personally I want to read the redemption stories. Well, I want to read. I, I think those are the beautiful ones. We need to read. We need. We what need would works. be. What would be the redemption story so the redemption for this story. chick? Actual connection to her friend. Yeah. That's it. That That's disappointing. True. No connection. Still no feeling. You're yeah, even redeemed. at the end, she's like, yeah, I called her up. She came to visit. and then, Or maybe I missed her or something. We never saw each other again. Yeah, and I, I love you, Reza. She tells yeah. her, but she's lying. And you know it's bullshit. Right, yeah. There's no love there. 
Right. There's no love. There's no romance. There's no spiritual renaissance. Yeah. And you know it because who goes out and buys a TV just to watch it happen? Right. Yeah, it really is you a mockery. You live in the city, you can see it happen. It's a mockery of a, a large rite of passage, a big it's ritual. for sure. So I'm not saying... Bo- like, it's mocking... It is, like, for whatever... Even though 9-11 was a destructive event, <clears throat> it was still a sacred event because so many people were dying and because of the symbol- symbolic value of the towers. Right <clears throat> for the country and for the world, and so it it is a it was sacred. The whole situation and everything surrounding it was a situation of sacredness, and to mock that situation is to mock the sacred. Which an you're allowed to do. I'm not like offended. I just well, no, no, no. I, I agree. Uh, I think you're allowed to, and I think you also should. But in the if we can call it an arc. In the duration of the book, when she's supposed to have come out of this uh, That's right. time where she, you know she's trying to get over her boyfriend, and she it, it seems like maybe she's feeling a little better. She's trying to get over him. And the author is trying to show that in in the book, like... And then the last scene is the mockery of, of a sacred event. I, I don't know. Yeah, so what I would say is I don't need this character to emerge victorious. I don't need that. I don't need her to say, you know, I feel pretty good. I'm going to take taking walks. I'm, I don't need that. You can, you can leave it pointless. Yeah. You can leave the story pointless, but it has to be honestly pointless. Yes. You have to leave it there. You know, there's yeah. a lot of talk about McCarthy's new novels, like, what's the point? It's just nihilism. Right. Yeah, well, you know, that's a reaction to the world we live in, right? Yeah, it's maybe, a mirror. Maybe that's all it's supposed to be. I'm sure it's beautiful. I haven't read it yet, but you can do that. You make a mockery of not only that event, which, again, you're allowed to do. Of course. You should be allowed to do. We should mock these things. That's why we have comedy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's to spin different angles on events, right? I'm not even hung up on 9-11. I'm, I'm hung up on making a mockery of the year of rest and relaxation that she's supposed right, to have. Right, right, right. Doesn't, it doesn't accurately conclude what that really would be like. She probably... I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking, you're a drug addict now. <clears throat> you're not just going to shut this stuff off. Yeah. There's going to be... You want to talk about rites of passage. There's going to be... <sighs> detox for yeah. one right she's i would think Which, well you know i think this book is also how could and, you just come out of your apartment after that and be like oh, i like the sun i think this book and this author are <clears throat> stuck in the past like i know the book came out in that, 2018 yeah. but the whole mood and attitude of mockery and insincerity is very passe the the future is meta modernism or new sincerity and i think the stories that really resonate most with people are stories now of sincerity and if you want to be writing you know in the future or in the future tense or about it's eluding me but if you want to if you want to transcend 
this meaningless past, you have to find a way to grasp a new sincerity, a new attitude of sincerity. And that also is one of the things that's just lacking in the Lit book. You think she would have she would have been able to gain some yeah, <laughs> sincerity by the end of the book. Now I will give it this. She actually does achieve sincerity in a few moments when she's reflecting on the death of deaths of her parents while she's in her that basement. Death, for sure. I think her father's death. Well, I think she's also sad though about her mother's death. She's she, sad. She, but she she's, feels betrayed. She's trying to figure like out why. Like you're actually getting some real information. Yeah, I yeah, think for sure. Whereas earlier on in the book, when she's talking about how she looks like Jane Fonda or some other beautiful blonde model, but she's like still super shabby, and she has toothpaste crusted on the sides Can't of her mouth, like. It, to me, I just couldn't believe any of that stuff. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is all These just are fake. They're, they're, there's a paper <clears throat> character element. They're yes. Pa they're, they're paper. But late about three quarters of the way through the book, when you have those scenes where she's mm -hmm. reflecting on death, that's when she has her moments of sincerity. You can tell that she's really writing these things in a sober like honest state of mind, not mocking. Um, no, no, even no. even actually in the last maybe like twenty pages, there were a few pages in there where she had she had some nice prose for like I a paragraph that. or two. This isn't a this is not a writer who's incapable. No, she's very capable. You know, it's I hate being she, a critic because it's like, well, they finished a book, and most people who start one never do, right? Of but, course, no, she's finished a number of books. But uh, so I don't even like being a critic. I, I, just trying to talk about the book. Yeah, I, I, like, I was oh, thinking you know. about that today, too. I was um, like, gosh, how am I critiquing a writer when I think it's amazing I, to finish I, something? I largely think critics are dickheads. Yeah. I think they're they're basically like journalists, you know? Yeah. Journalists are just critics, aren't they? Right, right. Oh, thanks again for right. your opinions without... Those who can't do teach. Oh. Those who can't write critique. <laughs> Those who can't do are yeah. journalists. <laughs> 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 no, uh, sorry, Kai, right? No, no we, what we're concerned with here <laughs> for fun and for the beauty of the style is we're trying to find the American sublime. Right. What is the next great American novel? What What is the next great American literary movement? And... Uh, you know, I, I don't want anyone to say that American Sublime Broadcast Podcast has not given corporate literary America's darlings a chance. We've read My Year of Rest and Relaxation. and We've read other... We're going to continue to read contemporary books. Sure, well. sure, sure. But there there is this strange thing, you know, politics downstream of culture. Yeah. It's why our political landscape largely is so nihilistic and bland. And vacuous. And because it's downstream of this. It is. It's downstream of it's downstream of this. It's downstream of uh, a lot of the things she she references even. In right. This. Right. The movies she's watching. Um, you know. I did like some she, of the movies, but come on, get over this Whoopi Goldberg. Well, nonsense. that's that's exactly right. Whoopi Goldberg's your hero. Yeah. I mean, this is this person's hopeless if that's the case. Right. You, 
Like, no offense. Yeah, but okay. Mushfeg is mentioning, you know, before sunrise. The person, I'm sure not, she, not the writer. I'm sure the, she. The character. She, yes, I know, I know. <laughs> is hopeless. Yeah, we got we to make a delineation between the writer and the character who is nameless. Um, I did notice on, on Goodreads, this is a four and a half, five star book or one star. There, yeah. There weren't really a lot of threes. There weren't, I'd probably, you know, if I was to, I'd probably give it a two and a half. Me too. That's I, what I would I, give I was it. able to 2. read 5. it. Finish. I wasn't. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't give it a one. No. I don't hate this. I'm not repulsed. No. Uh, and I don't. No. I certainly don't. Love and it. all. And I think the my main reason actually for respecting the writer and the book is that I do think that when it's all said and done, this is a piece of reportage. Mm-hmm. So it is reporting on. The modern experience, on the, about, the experience of the present you day. Think about Tom Wolfe's novel that we talked about. Yeah, Electric Kool Aid Acid Test as reportage. My yeah, God. I mean, okay, I mean, these are different brilliant. levels it, of it's reportage. A, yeah. Well, they're different levels, but hey, man, they're they're printed by the same companies, and they've True. these people have decided it's not different levels. Well, our culture just doesn't it's maybe a, have descended a little bit. Yeah, you we know. might not have the ability to produce writers of the caliber of Tom Wolfe that's, anymore. That's or if we do, which I think we do, we're we're purposefully in the institutions blocking them out. Because well, we don't want saying. people thinking about the real state of things. So we need people who have established sway. Yeah. And maybe who have the ability, but somebody who has established themselves, we, she's People like this have have not only the connection and now the the aura and the establishment on their team. Yeah. Uh, they have enough ability to at least take it to the next level and challenge and maybe get critiqued by the establishment. You For know? sure. I think the I think our heroes are going to have to come from within because the walls to Troy. <laughs> <laughs> are built. Yeah. Uh, we're not getting in. Yeah. People like you and me, we're not getting in. Yeah. We can write good, you know, we could write things and yeah, we could put fine. it out and we could maybe have a cult following. We're not yeah. getting in where she gets in. Right. It's not happening. And I'm not going to go into all that as, you know, in terms of, so, you know, why or what. Right, right, but, right. Um, it's just a fact. And we're, I'm not going to delude myself into, yeah. into believing, oh, I can write a good novel and submit it. And uh, somebody will pick it up. Um, that's fine. That's the era we're within. But are the advocates for literary art, literature, mm-hmm. are gonna have to be people who are working for the regime right now? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Our regime sponsor, and they're gonna have to turn on it. It's the same thing with journalism, right? Yeah. I'm. I every day I'm like. Man, I wish Jim Acosta would do some actual reporting. You know, I wish he would change his mind. And you'd see these guys start to fall, but that fall would be an alarm. Yeah. Of course they would fall. They would get probably, they'd lose everything. But yeah. like, you're going to need some courageous insiders. Perhaps. I, I don't know how long these publishing houses will be able to carry on well, putting out the, rubbish like this. The, it's it's capitalism. They they got consumers. They've got consumers. Maybe. So it's just about making money. I think I think the audience takes two days to read. Right. It's quick. It's easy. You're not going to carry it with you. I think the audience is going to get over stuff like this very soon. I think 
Gen Z moods, moods are changing. Like meaningless lit has had its day. And this is like at the very tail end of it, I think. There isn't some new wave of nihilist art coming. Like that wave is done. This is as that wave is falling back into the sea. If it's going to be nihilistic, which I, I like, you yeah. know, I drop his name all the time. Cormac McCarthy's not, he's not giving you a hero. Yeah, but this guy's dying. And yeah, he's with dying. Him, he's, with him, that style but, will die. But it's romantically beautiful. Sure. You know, you're getting a, a uh, you have to make nihilism pretty if you're going well, to Well, it has it. to be true. And I think that the mockery gets in the way of its true truthfulness. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it can. There's a place for mockery, but it, it, it's only if it's going to be... Well, you can't be trying to be... It can't to be the be whole tone. It can't be the sincere whole book. and then mock your own sincerity. Like... This is oil and water here. It just, it doesn't make sense. It's like you're apologizing for your, oh, sorry that I was sincere for five seconds. You know, like, you ever, like you have to pick one. <clears throat> it's different from, say, stand-up comedy, where we know that the entire thing is mockery. And maybe you'll get a moment of sincerity, but like, you're not going to, you're not going to balance out your, your mockery. Have with you, sincerity. Have you ever That's met, not how comedy works. Have you ever met someone in real life who's just sarcastic all the time? Uh, to the point where you're like, do you ever have a serious moment? I Once or twice I and, have, yeah. And so you, It's you, very, like, grating. It just wears you down. Yeah. Is that what you're, you're kind of getting at? It's like you have to... And then when they're trying to be serious, yeah. it, would be, it would be silly. You're like, are you just messing with me again? It's like, I don't know how to communicate with you because... Everything I say, you're just sarcastic. Right. And that engagement... Is, Which is actually kind of an, an abusive way of communicate, communicating with somebody else. Because they can't trust you. Right. Well, that's like, what she's doing to Reza. Not necessarily with sarcasm, but... Yeah, yeah. She's with like... Reba, sorry. Um, she is kind of relationally uh hey my mom's dead i don't care abusive <laughs> she's totally she's i mean cool. I, I hesitate to use the word abusive in that way I so well here's the other uh, here's the other thing though that we're that hasn't even come up the big, yeah. the d word what depression which is i think really the big you know she's obviously entertaining all of these things from a depressed she's depressed yes the the distress of depression right which uh you know it's sadistic sadistic is the word it's not abusive it's like relationally sadistic she's a sadist in from a lot within of ways. but okay but to, and then, depressive and then, depression so, she is right and yeah. then you're like okay well maybe it's the depression that's making her sadistic yep that's making her relationally pretty terrible to the people around. yeah you know, kind of for her own pleasure, you know. For yeah, she's like, I know more about the world than you do, Reva. Just even she's you and your stupid cosmopolitan magazines. She, I've read Nietzsche. She even says something about Reva's father and his the, the men in the room being like pedophiles. Oh yeah, like, they yeah, look yeah. like they would just be rapists or something. Yeah, and it's which like, also is I kind know. of is also kind of like this cheap shot. It's like feminist narcissism, yes. like, yes. oh, you disagree with me? It's just because you wish you could date me. 
<laughs> Who said that? <laughs> uh, Elon Musk girlfriend say that? Yeah, they yeah, just yeah. started dating, right? They just started. They're you know, they're gonna start doing the IVF months. pretty soon. <laughs> She'll have twins on the way. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but um, is she depressed? I don't know if she's actually. I don't depressed. know if she's depressed. I don't. I don't know how you could do that if you weren't. Perhaps. But she's not looking for a cure to her depression. She's looking to to experiment on herself with sleep. And well, it is kind of, so. Let's briefly talk about this Pishing character here. Who the artist with a cluster of acne over his... Uh, <laughs> well, he's tattooed it on himself, apparently. And she calls him uh, an art world hack. Near the end of the book, I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pishing is the art world hack. Mm. I think that this book borders on art world hackery. Honestly. It does it carry that uh, pretension? It carries a little pretension. I don't know. Like it like pretentiousness. Okay. Pretension? Pretension word? Pretentiousness? Yeah. Pretension is a word. Uh it's, okay. She talks about um, regarding Pishing, his desire to be shocking. And this is why it's a bit muddy. And I think why even in this conversation, we've been like having to very mindfully delineate between Otessa Mashveg and the nameless chick in the book. Because the nameless chick in the book is the narrator. Mm. But that narrator is also written by Mushfeg. And so you have uh, Mushfeg calling, well, writing what is in structure and substance this nihilistic uh, attempting to be shocking in ways book. But then within the nihilistic, I'm trying to be shocking book. She mocks people who try to be shocking, namely the P. Shing guy, who, all, who makes all his art with the idea that I want to shock my audience, but the, the audience doesn't care because the audience wants to be shocked. So, which is kind of like a bit of a feedback loop going on. It's a Twilight Zone moment. Yeah, so... Yeah. So I, I think that she knows better. Like, this is kind of like Andy Warhol, right? People, there's that famous story where, okay, so Andy Warhol is, you know, making, he, he's like the creator of the modern icon where you he's have this it. art and like they make a, a million copies of one piece of art, right? It's like Campbell's soup can. Yeah, industrialized uh, duplication of art, you know. Um, and he's like the, 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 one of the pinnacles of what it means to have been a, a modern artist or a postmodern artist. But apparently when people went to his house after he died, it was full <clears throat> of classical uh, art and um, Renaissance art and like um, beautiful paintings and sculptures. 
like Italian, but it wouldn't work today. European it wouldn't work in the modern world if you were painting that Northern European art, it, like. So you see, with the person who was doling out dog shit to everybody, that at their house they were eating, you know, fine dining, and I think maybe in a way, Mushveg is really clever. And she's doled out some dog shit to people. But she knows, like, you know, she mentions, uh, like, Tolstoy. She's, oh, I, I, read, I went on and found some books on the sidewalk and I read War and Peace, you know. It's like, okay, we know. Okay, you know Rousseau, you know a, a number of yeah, good yeah. people. Yeah, like, Heigl was name dropped. In yeah, the, yeah, like you, her, like, you know, hallucinations. you know the good people. Yeah, but yeah. you're still writing this. I don't know. It's a conundrum. Well, there is, there is a, you know, uh, what are you willing to sell? There is, if you wrote War and Peace today, I'm not saying she's capable or any, any modern writer's capable. No, I don't think anybody can write but that. But if you today. wrote um, Crime and Punishment. Sure. Uh, it's well within, I, I don't think anybody really is still capable of that, but it's within reason to think so. Sure. You couldn't sell it. You couldn't sell it. You got to write what's, this is, this is the problem. This is the problem with market-driven society. You're willing to sacrifice your culture on the altar of what's sell this no, selling. This is could... selling to young women. This book right, right. will be purchased by young women who live in the cities you named earlier. Yeah, and it'll make money for the institution. It is the. They'll most... be like, she's just like me. Yeah, and that's the most important thing about anything. Yeah, it's the reason that we don't have. You know that we have, Waffle House, McDonald's, and Wendy's at every exit, and, yeah. uh, and certainly not. Uh, you know, or Starbucks, and certainly not excellent, you know, family-owned cafes and yeah. eateries, because it's about making money. This is part of that system, too. Yeah. And we we have to make decisions, right? My, my father would say to me, why don't you just write, like, a book you could sell, and then, right. write, and then write something that you want to write afterwards. Right. I go, because... I can't. I'm in rejection of it. Yeah. Uh, like, I live out rejection of it. And uh, to get to your point, I think you're right. I think it's possible that this is a, a clever and subtle attack on the things that we believe in attacking. Because, not even an attack, and what it would mean, though, is it would mean shame on you because you know better. That's right. You shouldn't... But... I mean, but like, think about our lives. What would you rather do? Would you, would you rather write half-assed books and sell them, or work for somebody? Part of me is kind of like, man, maybe we should just write some half-assed books and try and sell them. You know, <coughs> there's a temptation to that, is yeah. there not? Because yeah. you're like, I, I love to write. That would be some glimmer of my dream. Yeah, and I'm not saying that she purposely wrote a half-assed book. This might be something that she really wanted to write. This might be a whole aspect. I'm not trying to say that she purposefully did that. I'm not attached to this book. But again, I'm a rural American gun-toting dude, okay? I'm not, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not an urban Yeah, you like to say this. 
Um, and that does matter. That I know we shouldn't factor in our identities <coughs> when relating to novels, but that does matter. Who says what you should and shouldn't do? You can do what you want. But am I wrong? Do you? No, I do don't you, think you're wrong. I, I think Wishfag can do better. She probably, she probably has. Maybe. Or I'm, maybe not. I, I don't know if I'm going to find out. I'm open to, you know, reading some essays. Yeah. I, you know, when I read a novel, I want, I, language is important to me. Yeah. I could get a nothing story, but if it's pretty. For sure. I'm oh, in. yeah. This I'm is like that like Thomas Wolfe. Well, Manhattan Transfer. Yeah. It was beautiful. Yes. Story? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I hated it. The story. Because it was all jumbled. But you have yeah. to admit, the language No, the language is lovely. Very nice. Just the descriptions of New York. Yeah. You could taste this empty city. You yes. could feel it on your boots. You could yeah. You could smell the newspaper print blowing across the sidewalk. Right? Yeah. You, and, and all of the brothels. Yeah. Uh, sort of the... Yeah. Th this book was just like an empty ramen... Uh, cup. Let me put it to you know? this way, this book. When she emptied her apartment of all that shit, yeah. it made no difference to me. Right. I didn't, it, it didn't, the, the, the apartment with all the stuff in it, yeah. in my mind, is it smelled the same, it looked the same, it felt the same. It, it was the same energy as the apartment without it. Right. It didn't do anything to me. Right. Yeah, this I is should, true. The energy in the apartment did not change. I didn't change. lose anything by losing all of these objects. Yeah. I didn't gain anything with the DVD player Yeah, uh, or that she didn't use, but I, yeah. didn't, I didn't really gain anything, even by the references to the shows and movies she watched. <coughs> I, didn't, I, I wanted to gain the energy of that room. If that's where that's gonna, that whole story is going to take place, Yeah, it takes place in that room, in that apartment. Well, and you know, it. there were a couple times though when okay, so Riva's mood changes, and in the way that Mushfeg writes what's happening, you can tell that the mood has changed before the nameless girl notices that the mood has changed or says that she's noticed. And I thought that that was good writing. Mm. I thought, oh wow, like that that is very well done that you're able to to write with this level yeah. of precision to where you're communicating a mood change before the character notices it's the one mood of those change. Moments like, of cleverness for I, sure. Yeah, I was like, well I mean, I don't want to just call, like write it off as clever. Like I thought that it was actually an exhibition of skill. Well, I don't mean that as like, yeah. you know, she had a trick. Yeah, yeah. No, I, it wasn't tricky. It was, it was, it was nicely done. Yeah. And I guess that, like, for me, will be another moment of showing that she's very capable. Um, just for whatever reasons, she is in general not serving up the best fare that she can. It just, it just goes back to a. Uh... From just simple for me, characters and um, ling linguistic overall linguistic beauty. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I need to at least like the characters a little bit. Yeah, I don't for need sure. to, you know, even if they're bad people. Yeah. Um, but I was just kind of grossed out sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, um, 
like I said, I was able to read it. it. Didn't it wasn't one of those things where, oh my god, I can't get through this book. I thought that there were there were those moments. So it's and it is funny that you found it as well. That there were those moments where you going, you know, that's that is skill. Yeah, there is definitely in there. I just uh, I just don't have any attachment to it. Yeah, I couldn't get attached. Fair enough. All right. Well, how do how do we wrap this up? Yeah. So you know, it's not really. It's not really that I'm trying. We're trying to give it a review. I'm not trying to be on Goodreads right now or anything. But you know, we're not gonna love. You're not gonna love every book you read. Some of these things are here's something subjective. We will be bold enough to elevate ourselves onto the seat of judgment right now because we have put ourselves on this broadcast podcast American Sublime so all right we, you know we had the audacity i want to see more writers and more readers insisting on sincerity sincerity is the future mockery and irony are the past let's move past these things move beyond them they're not sexy like they had their day but you we don't live in a world where we have all these patterns for example like over 50 percent of marriages end in divorce so for a person to mock marriage is kind of like nonsensical you're you're mocking something that's already already like completely already broken you're kicking something that's down yeah so like it doesn't make any sense to to treat the character that is marriage or the idea that is marriage as something to be mocked or ironized like the in a world where everything is crumbling your art is not going to be about destruction your art will have to be about construction to, to put it to put it into the book what you're talking about yeah the the events of Rava's life were you know with the abortion which I presume she had yeah and which is treated very nonchalantly yeah the death of her mother uh-huh. which is treated with some disrespect from our main character treated with irony and um, sarcasm yeah in a way that doesn't give respect to the tragedy that's actually being told in those stories there's yes. a tragedy unfolding absolutely and, but there's no nod to that right and, and tragedy is a tried and true literary story it's Shakespearean it's it's Macbeth it's Hamlet it is a, it, the, the tragedy, the human tragedy, deserves to not be entirely mocked. If you're, if you're going to tell tragedy, you have to take a break, I think, from the mockery. Well, I think also if you're, if you're presenting yourself as a writer who's telling it like it is, you need to tell it like it is. You need to present the tragedy as tragedy. You need to show the images Doesn't in the mirror. You need to cry or have your characters yeah, yeah. cry. Just... But you need to have an accurate reflection 
an authentic reflection of the things that are in the mirror. And to overprivilege the ironic attitude is just like, oh my gosh, I'm so bored of that shit. I don't know what to tell you. It just, yeah, me too. Yeah, so <clears throat> sincerity will win the day. It's, it's the future, right? It's ascendant. It's in the ascendant. Literary populism. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in a way, that is actually, that is the political, that is the political, cultural, and intertwine, intertwined future. Yes. Sincerity will win in politics. Of course. You're seeing that now. Yeah. No one wants the fake bullshit. Anymore. Yeah, we don't want your canned talking points. No one cares. We want you shooting from the hip. We want you telling it like it really is, not like it is, not trying to be some sanctimonious character. Yeah. No more use of the word folks. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, folks. Uh, Can we outlaw that word? <laughs> I have, uh, I have uh, in the Middle East, uh, you know, done many things to many folks. Uh, oh boy, that's Bernie. No, I'm trying to do Obama, but I got it yeah. mixed up. Uh, so, yes. Okay. Well. What are we doing next week? Do we know? We're going to leave it. It's a secret. It's a secret. Okay. All right. We'll see you in the next one. That's right.